Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Overtime Hockey Podcast, presented by Sniper's Edge Hockey and Tradition Companies. You can find them at snipersedgehockey.com and traditionco.com. Today, we're going to hear highlights from the Edina versus Benil St. Margaret's 4-0 Section 6 AA final win. That was quite the game, quite the environment at the Bloomington Ice Garden. We'll hear feedback from both coaches, Kurt Giles of the Edina Hornets, Ken Pauley from the Benil St. Margaret's Red Knights. We'll also hear from Josh Harding on the Edina coaching staff, along with captain and defenseman Wyatt Wurst. Then we will close out the show with a segment I'm sure we all won't want to miss because everything seems to center around the crease, whether offensively or defensively. And we're going to bring in the Carroll Goalie School's Steve Carroll. As we're going to talk playoff hockey, goaltending, we might even uh, try to diagnose some of the issues plaguing the Minnesota Wild in the net and what is causing that as well. Let's now jump into our first segment here as we bring on Ryan Kern. Hey, welcome aboard, Ryan. Thanks for joining us here on the program. And uh, we are excited to talk about the upcoming event that you have, which is uh, also known as the Essentia Health High School All-Star Game that'll be playing out at Heritage Arena. Something you've been doing for quite some time. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking some historical perspective with you on this event and the upcoming uh, things we can look forward to. So I know you're busy because you don't just do uh, all-star, all-star hockey team all games and things like that. You do much more. So thanks for joining us here today. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk first a little bit about Kern Company, your marketing and special events uh, specialists. You've got lots going on there from air shows on down. Can you kind of just give us an overview on your company and what you do and how you've evolved into the high school hockey scene? Well, you know, truthfully, we, you know, I, I appreciate you having us on first and foremost. And yeah, we, you know, it's, it's been we started the company about uh, 25 years ago. Uh, back back in my much younger years, uh, I used to to be in radio, and uh, during my time in radio, I was also the uh, the radio station's uh, marketing and promotions director. So we used to to handle, or I used to handle all of the uh, the promotions from the radio station side. And at the same time, too, I was also a, a high school coach. I was I was coaching high school uh, soccer. I was a boys varsity coach uh, at a local high school here. Uh, and then from uh, coaching soccer, I ended up also uh, for a brief moment of time. I was also a, a high school hockey coach, too. So, um, yeah, the, you know, the the all star games that we do, um, you know, we we are most certainly known for the for the high school all-star hockey game. But we also do a soccer version a volleyball version. Uh, we have done a baseball version, a basketball version. And so, you know, we, we really try to spread out, um, you know, for equality purposes, you know, we've got girls and boys, uh, high school games, and, uh, it, it's really kind of truthfully, it's where the, it's really where the, where the company kind of got its start, uh, just by being a, a, you know, a high school coach, um, led into being, you know, a, a, a a soccer skills clinic was kind of like the first event we rolled out with. And then it became a high school all-star soccer game. And then we added the hockey game and it kind of took off from there. You know, isn't it funny how you can happen upon and fall into a business uh, that, that started from a passion and then you say, Hey, putting these things together, isn't that bad of a deal. And then the next thing you know, uh, you've, you've gone from coaching into this and you're impacting people in other ways. So, uh, you know, if you go onto your Facebook page, I think it's really terrific. Um, and why don't you give, it's, uh, I think it's at high school all-star hockey, right? Is that what you hockey game? Yeah. Hockey game. Correct. Okay. Yeah. High uh, school all-star hockey game is the Facebook page. Pulled it up. First thing I see posted a bit ago was, uh, 
a picture of uh, a young Niski. Uh, we got Matt Niskanen from 2005 game. Uh, wheeling up ice with an autographed picture there. That's pretty awesome. Then right below that, who do we have? TJ Oshie. Uh, so some of this flashback stuff is amazing. Um, can you talk about in 98 how the event looked then and then how it looks today, how it's evolved? I think the key word you, you stumbled on there is evolution. Right? It wasn't a revolution when, <laughs> when yeah. we started the event. It was definitely an evolution uh, over time. Uh, the first year we did the the event, it, it was, um, we were very, uh, there was a local sporting goods store here in Duluth called Stewart's Wheel Goods, and that was owned by a man by the name of Dick Stewart, a longtime um, hockey enthusiast here in Duluth. And, you know, I was talking with, with Dick one day, and, you know, we were, by that time in my life, you know, not only coaching hockey, but I was also, you know, playing rec hockey, and, you know, I was going there and get our hockey equipment and skate sharpened and, um, you know, talking to him about the concept and the idea. And um, he, and Dick Stewart, had said to me, "He's like, oh, this would, what a great concept, what a great idea. You know, if you did something like that, we would, we would definitely sponsor it." Uh, and as a matter of fact, um, my CCM rep is coming in here in about an hour. And if you want to, if you want to hang out for a while, maybe we could talk to him about the idea. And um, that's really, truthfully, and that's really kind of how it got started because it, you know, you just, you know, not knowing, you, you never know what you don't know. That's my, I love that phrase. I don't know what I don't know. And it wasn't until the, the CCF uh, rep walked in and then, you know, then the conversation, well, what are you guys going to do with helmets? What are you going to do with jerseys? What are you going to do with, because, you know, the Minnesota State High School League doesn't allow kids to use their own equipment. So what are you going to do about, you know, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, I was taking notes and, and, and writing frantically. Um, but really, that's where the event started. Um, our, our first sponsor uh, was CCM uh, and Stewart's Real Goods, and, and they jumped on and said that they would support the concept. And so we ran the CCM High School All-Star Hockey Game. The first one was in 1999. The initial game or the inaugural game was down at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. Uh, we threw the game together in about 30 days. Um, and uh, we did we built it as kind of a, as a senior game, as a senior-only game. And so we had um, matched the best senior high school hockey players from Duluth uh, against the best of the Iron Range at, at the time. Um, there was a huge, uh, back in the late nineties, there was, I was thinking, you know, at least in these communities here is, you know, who has better hockey or is it the iron range with, with their players, uh, or is Duluth kind of like the, the hockey hotbed. And so there was a natural rivalry, uh, that came out of that. And so that's really how we built the first game in, in 1999. So in 99, it was, uh, the, the Duluth area versus the range schools, correct? It, yeah, yeah, it was. And and so, right, we're talking about evolution to where, where we yeah. get to now. So the, the first couple of years, that's exactly what it was. And, um, you know, from, from that point on, about two or three years in, uh, we then, you know, made a slight adjustment. We then opened it up to juniors and seniors uh, versus just seniors um, because there was a lot of, truthfully, there were a lot of kids that were, truthfully, really good. And, and they deserved to participate in the All-Star game. Uh, and part of the reason we opened it up to juniors is because, quite frankly, there were kids that were going to play juniors, right? And they, yep. they weren't staying for their senior season uh, or were leaving. Um, and so we really wanted to really make it a true all-star game and, and really showcase the talent um, that we have up here in northern Minnesota. And, you know, the catalyst behind all of that was it, 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 in northern Minnesota, we felt. Uh, during that time that, you know, a lot of the media attention was really focused on the kids that lived in the metro. And a lot of the kids up north were really kind of getting overlooked because they really, at that time, weren't getting the media attention uh, and the exposure that some of the kids uh, in the metro were. So 
Um, we entered into a really great partnership uh, at that time too with KDLH TV, which was the uh, the affiliate up here, uh, the national affiliate. And you know, we built the event, so it wasn't just an all-star game. And I think that's one of the things that when we look at the evolution of the event, um, you know, from year one, uh, we started with not only the game. Uh, at a new venue with a, with some great sponsors, and we but we also had live radio coverage, and at the time, what really wasn't uh, happening during that time frame was also not only a broadcast of the event itself, uh, but also a behind the scenes special 30 minute wrap up show uh, that would happen about a week later, where we would uh, the TV station would then kind of you know compile all of the the information from the game. We gave them unfettered exclusive access. So they were in the locker rooms with the kids filming. They were, you know, in the benches with the kids filming. They were on the ice filming. They were doing one-on-one interviews with the kids. And it, it really, you know, set the game apart from anything else that, that had been going on up until that time. So really something nice to look forward to, especially after either your section uh, tournament uh, da- hopes were dashed or your state tournament uh, came to a conclusion, win, lose, or draw, obviously win or lose. So um, a nice way for some of these kids to put an exclamation point for the seniors on their high school years and then for the juniors to come in and, and, and enjoy one last run. Uh, how do you go about the coaches and and uh, selecting who runs it? I see you have, looks like the Denfeld staff on one end and then uh, Rockridge on the other. Yeah, and that's always a process. I mean, so every year that changes. And, and as we've continued to evolve, you know, some of the things remain the same. Uh, at the heart of the game, it's still Duluth uh, taking on the Iron Range. And that's so when we're picking the when I say when, when the teams are being selected, when I don't mean the teams, what I really mean to say is when the players are being selected, um, we still have all of the Iron Range coaches um, and Northern Minnesota. We still have them select their own participants. Um, and so when, when it comes time to the process of the, the, the kids getting selected, the process is the same for the Duluth area and the Iron Range area. Um, it's a process whereby the coaches themselves from that area will nominate players from their own teams. And they will send us that information and saying, hey, here's the players that we want to nominate. Here's the juniors and seniors that we, you know, that we think are worthy of participating uh, in the event. And so we're going to compile those. And once we compile the list of um, those kids that were nominated by their individual high school coach, we then compile the list, resend it out to all of those coaches again. Now, we're not sending it out to all the coaches. We're only sending it out to the coaches from that area. Mm-hmm. So if the Iron Range nominates their kids, they are the only ones then <clears throat> that get to vote on the 17 players that are going to represent or make up the Iron Range area. And so we do the same thing with Duluth and the range. Uh, we are the only ones that actually compile the votes and we're the only ones that see the votes. Um, so coaches don't know how other coaches voted. Um, it's a completely independent democratic process, as I like to say. And based on that, we then take the, the top vote getters from the Iron Range, those 17 players, and then the 17 from Duluth. And typically up until about four years ago, that would be your team. That would be the, the Iron Range team, and that would be your Duluth area team. Uh, about four years ago, we, we did make a switch in uh, an adjustment on that as some of the Iron Range schools were, were continuing to merge as, as hockey was shrinking a little yeah. bit up there. And so one of the things we wanted to do was really to try to balance the competitiveness uh, of the event was then move to what we would call like the fantasy team. And so, you know, as of four years ago, the teams are still comprised of Duluth and Iron Range only. 
but the teams are now mixed uh, and we conduct a fantasy draft. So once we then choose the coaches, um, and that's really the only thing that we are choosing as the organizers is the only say I have is who's coaching. Um, we don't have any say on, on actually who's playing other than, you know, organizing and, and coordinating that component of it. Um, and the coaches conduct a fantasy draft and, and that's their team that they're going to, that they're going to take with, uh, with them, uh, to the practice and to the all-star game, uh, each year. Well, from start to finish, really an excellent, uh, job by your group to, uh, bring forth the promotional and, uh, you know, just the awareness years ago and into what it is today. And then obviously sometimes it's hard for, uh, organizations to be nimble and, and to accept the fact that things, you know, are, you know, consistently fluid and, uh, to adjust your rosters and the way you do things and, and the way you've gone about things is, been impressive just for me hearing this right now. And uh, I know from speaking with you that this is a highly organized event and uh, that when the fans come, they don't just come for a game that's going to start at 7 p.m. on the 15th of March. You've got other things going on, such as a, a, a special law enforcement versus the fire department game, uh, so police versus fire. Um, and then you have the skills competition as well. Can you jump in on those a little bit? Yeah, and that's truthfully, it's it, that's kind of like some of you know we we it's not you're right it's not just a game I like to call it is is it's it's an experience right you yeah. want to go to just to watch a game but we also want to provide um, you know four solid hours of, of really cool hockey activities and you know one way that we did that about four years ago again when we made the the transition from you know Duluth to the Iron Range uh, to the fantasy format prior to that. Um, what we used to do is we used to do a media versus celebrity game uh, and, or we would work with the, uh, with the NHL, um, you know, what, what I'll call the NHL alumni. We would do an NHL alumni game versus college all-stars and, and things of that nature. So during the, you know, during the whole course of, of this event over time, we've always created more of an event atmosphere around it where there was a pregame uh, game. Uh, then there were skills competitions for the high school kids and then it was the game itself. So we, we've continued to do that. Uh, and in the current format that we're in, uh, you know, the law enforcement and, and the public services in, in our community, um, they used to have a, a Duluth police against the Duluth Fire Department game. And it used to be an annual tradition. And that, and that kind of fell by the wayside about eight to 10 years ago. And so about four years ago, we pitched uh, to the fire department and police department. Why don't we bring it back, include it as part of uh, the all-star festivities. Uh, they were thrilled uh, to be a part of it. And one of the cool factors, and one of the cool things that I'll say about that is when you look at those teams, and this is going to sound, you know, it'll make you think, when you look at the Duluth Police Department and Fire Department game, um, there's a lot of former uh, high school all-stars that are on those teams. And that's always fun to look at because, you know, you look at the fire department game, for example, you've got, you know, a fire department who played at Duluth East. And then also, by the way, he played for the Gophers and you've got Dylan Mills uh, suiting up for the uh, for the uh, fire department. And on the other side, you look and you're like, oh, my goodness, you've got a police officer who uh, who also played in this event who went to Proctor. And by the way, he played uh, minor professional. And so it, it's really fun. So even that game on its own is, is really competitive. Um, when you watch the fire department and police department uh, battle each other uh, for the breaking rights of, uh, of that particular event. Skills competition is, is something that we've been doing since the very uh, beginning, since its inception. And we keep all-time records on that event. So for 23 years, it'll be 23 this year, um, you know, we still have the all-time records. And we know that, you know, John Jocks from Duluth East High School in, 
you know, whatever year that he uh, he played the game, I think it was like 2007, somewhere in that time frame, you know, blasted a 97 mile an hour slap shot. And, and in 23 years of the game, that's a record that's still standing uh, that hasn't been beaten yet. So it's fun for the kids to not only play in the skills competition, but then they can look at the roster sheets and, and figure, oh, I remember that name or I remember that player. Uh, or I remember uh, someone like TJ Oshie going, you know, four for four uh, in the shot accuracy contest. Uh, and I would really like, man, wouldn't that be great to get my name in the record books next to him, uh, you know, going four for four and stuff like that. It's really fun for the kids. That's really exciting. And that data is stored on the Facebook page or where do you have that? Yeah, no. So if you go to the uh, to the Facebook page, you know, we, we post uh, historical stuff there. Um, and if you kind of scroll through some of that, you'll see some of that data. Um, that's on there. A lot of that stuff, you know, we have a Facebook page or sometimes we have some stuff on the website or we'll have it in the game program uh, for people Great. to look at. Excellent. Rosters can be found online on the Facebook page. Again, be sure to check out a uh, high school all-star hockey game for that. Tickets can be purchased on Ryan Kern's uh, Kern Company. That's with a K uh, website, which is Kern, K-E-R-N, company, K dot com. You'll see it right there on the home page. Be sure to pick up tickets. And Ryan, if you can't be there, we will be live streaming it at the MNHockey.tv. And we'll work really hard on uh, getting the metro area aware of this uh, whole event for you uh, to uh, continue working the tentacles of what social media and streaming can do, which is, I think, so great. So um, great event that you have going here, and we look forward to watching you uh, pull this one off and, and get it done, and it should be a lot of fun for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's Ryan Kern. He's the president of Kern Companies. The Overtime Hockey Podcast continues. We will now take a look at highlights of the Edina and Benilde St. Margaret's Section 6 AA Final, and we'll hear from a number of people from post-game interviews. We're now going to take a look at Edina's 4 to nothing win against the Benilde St. Margaret's Red Knights as they won the Section 6 AA title at the Bloomington Ice Garden sold-out show. It was an absolutely incredible game. The Hornets scored two goals in the first period. They go on to score a third in the second and then an empty netter in the third. Caden Morgan opened up the scoring. He hit the crossbar to start. Then he went up top and finally beat the goaltender, uh, Mason uh, McElroy, who was absolutely terrific in goal all year long for his team, but was too much gas to handle on that blast. Then a turnover up high late in the period allowed Jackson Nevers to walk in and go five-hole for the 2 nothing lead. Edina would then go on to a 3 to nothing lead as Matt Vandervoort scored a goal down low off the goal mouth area from John Halverson and Willie Johnson. And then finally in the third period, Wyatt Wurst would seal the deal with the empty netter at 13:46. We're going to listen now to the highlights of that game, just the audio only. Of course, we've got the video posted for you, but for those of you that are driving along and want to kind of feel the vibe of what the energy was like in that building... Hopefully this will give you a good look and a feel of what we had from the Bloomington Ice Garden on Wednesday night, the 2nd of March. Left wing side, that's off the stick of Halverson. He jumps, Yakish, oh my word! And a scoring chance, oh, and a big save made there. Wow. You can We're going to let Vander him play here tonight. Vanderbilt trying to go near side on McElroy. And stick, now Morgan comes away with it, plays ahead for Nevers. But there's Sarsland off the boards. Morgan cuts that off. Nevers gets back on. Now Morgan, shallow angle. Oh, crossbar! Oh, what a look there by Caden Morgan. That thing is an ear ringer. 
for sure. And Marshall, oh, that one was off the crossbar. Back-to-back ringers. Sarsland, a Mr. Hockey finalist. That's been the state's top defensive pair in my book so far this year. There's Caden Morgan off the draw. That went in and out. The red light went on. And it's one and up in Edina. Whoa, 6.34 to go. That was in and out awfully quick. The game's lone goal scorer for the Hornets as they lead one to nothing. Spindler stopped. Here's Nevers. He's dangerous. Five-hole goal right between McElroy's legs. Edina now on top. Two goals. Sucked up. What a bit by no! Oh, that was as close as it gets. Now it's Marshall back the other way. Glove save made. Oh, into the net heavily. Penalty on Sarsland. Here they come back the other way. Halverson back door. Scores! As he was using his feet like he always does, up the right wing side. That was just a blitzkrieg off the faceoff. Edina on the zone exit has a two-on-one from the blue line. Yeah, makes for fans be able to hear us better. Sarsland back door, shot to save, rebound. Oh, and a sprawling save with the left pad. Klarkowski keeps this one a three-to-nothing hockey game. Protects the puck. Nice feed over to Norris on the left wing side. They'll look for Stewart. Kept it alive. Off the goal. Oh, oh what a save by Parkowski as he sprawls to his right. He's been monster here. I'm sure Josh Harding is pleased with what he's seen down there. And, and here comes the sheriff. That was absolute thievery. Parkowski will be arrested for that theft. And there's worse. That's blocked by McCorrell. Worse. Score! That's going to pretty much seal it. Wyatt Worst to the Hornets, like his number, with four, lead four to nothing. They count down the clock, down to one. And there it is, folks, your section 6AA Boys Hockey Champion, the United Hornets, will be advancing on to the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament at the XL Energy Center next week, starting on Thursday at some time. What we don't know. It should be interesting to see who plays. You know, these games are really special, and uh, it's encapsulated here in this interview with Wyatt Worst, captain and leader of this Edina High School hockey team. they got a lot of guys that are leaders on that team, but, you know, winning uh, a section title is a big deal here in Minnesota, as we all know. It's not easy. The majority of the teams are gone. It's hard to do. Not everybody can win, but his energy and his smiles pretty much uh, sum up why Minnesota high school hockey is so special. You're going to the state championship, man. How's it feel? Feels great. We worked so damn hard for this. Everyone on the team put in a great effort in. I'm just so excited. You know, you guys up and down all year. You know, you know you're on a like a total under so much scrutiny, Edina. Your yeah. dad did it. You yeah. know, now you've done it. So you know, I'm sure he's told you the stories, but uh, you guys never gave up and have just gotten better. Can you talk about the journey this year from scoring a ton of goals to getting this grimy? filthy defensively yeah man we started at the beginning we were scoring a lot of goals and then we fell in a slump where we the other team started playing more defensive against us and we couldn't marry the goals and we were playing really weak defensively so Kurt and all the other coaches made a great game plan for us and we've been doing it ever since then probably middle of the season and, and it's just been working great for us and obviously showed it here that we're killer yeah what'd you like best about tonight's game 
everyone was just for the boys. I mean, everyone just laying out for the puck, doing the right play, chip off the glass, even if you want to, you know, try to, nobody wants to do the, or some people want to do, like, their stuff for themselves. But, the dangles? Yeah, but everyone just went for the team, and they did the right plays, and it might not show for them, but it shows for the team, so... One day at a time, I'm sure. And you guys have been there at the youth level. You've done a lot of good stuff. And you had that great third-place finish in Bantams. And here you are now. And uh, just enjoy the moment. Yeah, thanks a lot. Good Can't wait. You. Thank you. Good job. The Hornets have just been absolutely shut down defensively. They've not allowed a goal in four-plus games that equates to 244 minutes and 59 seconds. Robbie Klarkowski has been in goal for all of those. The big man who stands at least 6'5", 6'6", has been stalwart in goal for his hockey club. But we also know it goes beyond a goaltender who creates that kind of a shutout string. It's team-based. And we had a chance to catch up with Josh Harding, the assistant coach, former Minnesota Wild goaltender, and player who's been through a lot. Discuss exactly, at all levels, by the way, uh, exactly what that means to run that kind of shutout streak. I mean, Robbie, uh, Robbie's a big boy, and he gets around that crease pretty well. He's been really quiet lately, not a lot of stuff going on. Can you talk about his game as a goaltender and what you're seeing? Well, uh, do you know what? He's just been locked in for the last couple months, and, uh, you know, I think early on, uh, maybe trying to do too much, and uh, right now he's just playing. He's playing his game. He uh, He's seeing the puck really well, um, controlling his rebounds, and uh, just kind of controlling the tempo of the game. So you know, I'm very proud of uh, the steps that he's taking. When you think about defensively as a group, you know, obviously goaltenders get all the credit for this year, but they have some. The whole group has just been playing so good in the defensive zone, and the Red Knights like to enter. They didn't have any chance to do that. Yeah, you know, uh, everybody's bought in, which is huge. We uh, took a big step about, you know, seven, eight weeks ago, and uh, we really stressed to them that the defensive side is going to get us there. And, you know, after uh, seeing what we did tonight, everybody bought in, and uh, I couldn't be prouder than all these boys. So you played at the highest level, and you're doing all this stuff now. Is this what you thought it would be? Oh, man. I Do you know what? To be honest, I didn't. I, I didn't know what to expect coming from Canada. You know, high school hockey wasn't a thing. You know, yeah. you played juniors, and I cannot believe it. You know, I'm, I'm thankful to Kurt for bringing me aboard. And uh, you know, it's it's you know, you look at the building, the atmosphere, and and now you're going to the XL. So, you know, uh, again, uh, uh, didn't expect it to be like this, but very happy that I'm here. Thanks for joining us. sir. lucky to have you. Hey, thank Thanks, you, buddy. Appreciate Take care. You. Red Knights coach Ken Pauley uh, always says it like it is, and we were able to catch up with him after the game. Of course, you know, you lose 4 nothing to the Dana Hornets, Teeny B 5-2 earlier in the year. You know, he felt as though maybe they got a little bit of a soft spot in the schedule. I think many people have pointed to that as, you know, it does matter, and I do think he feels as though they ran into some trouble with that, and he talks about the team and, and, and what happened there, and as always, a very honest, raw, and true post-game interview with Ken Pauley. <laughs> were, were you guys comfortable out there, do you think? No, never. I don't think we ever got comfortable. Um, and that's, that's our thing. And, and it's like, um, this. quite honestly, this is where I think the weakness of our schedule last month really hurt us. Um, and I, um, quite candidly, I don't think we've played well in the last three, four weeks. I really don't. And I didn't like the way we played against Blake. I didn't like the way we played against Hopkins. I don't think, I just, I don't. 
I think we were on a roll, and I think we kind of got into the weaker part of our schedule, and we just kind of lost. We kind of lost that swashbuckling passing. We just never looked like the same team. I thought, and again, and 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 it's not much you can do about it because you're again your conference schedule. But you know, I, I listen. I, I was telling Wags before, it's like no one was fooled by this. We knew damn well it didn't matter. We had five losses at eight. These guys played the toughest teams every freaking night, and and we we weren't fooled by that. We weren't fooled by that. So we knew we knew it was gonna be tough going, but. Again, if you're gonna if you're gonna win games like this, you've got to get it, make the critical plays, the critical moments. And honestly, and yeah, listen, there's a lot of nerves. But when um, when Marshall hit the crossbar, and then 15 seconds later they scored, it's a critical moment right there. You know, right. we had a power play that we took ourselves off of. That's those are critical moments. You know, so they disrupted you too, though. Yeah, they did. They did. You know, that's the thing. It's like you can sit there and say, "Oh, that's a one time," but uh, you know, we just never. We could never settle. We could never settle into uh, settle into our offense, and so um, the problem is we look like a team fighting for an identity tonight. You know, we look like a team fighting for an identity, and um, you know, and that's um, that's something as, as 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 we go through the as we do as we as we do the odds as we do the autopsy on this. Um, that's one thing we're gonna have to think about. The state tournament bid by the Hornets will mark their 40th in school history, obviously combined Edina East, Edina West, and Edina High School itself in search of what would be their 14th state title. And their last appearance was in 2019 with their last uh, state title that year as well. What a memorable sectional playoff week it was. People can argue either way. You know, it makes sense that maybe we should – be in Mariucci or get the bigger venues, more ticket sales, people being left out. Get it, understand that. But on the same token, the energy, the vibe, the level of intensity for those games was like nothing I've experienced at both Braemar Arena and Bloomington Ice Garden and then the opening round matchups even in the Chaska Community Center with Chaska and Chanhassen. So I think there's a lot of good in that. And, you know, honestly, if you're MNHockey.tv followers, there's nothing wrong with that at all either for us because we were able to bring those games to you and we're going to continue to work with all of the sections as well to make sure we can expand our footprint as we're in a lot of the buildings it's just a matter of making uh, the agreements work for both parties where it's let's say not particularly one-sided or or goes either way so we're going to begin those discussions here in the summer and hopefully we can have more of that for you as well. Check out our website. Uh, We have youth regions going on right now, which are over this uh, weekend as we speak, and then we'll have the state tournament for youth in two weeks. Every venue will be covered. We'll have announcers on those games. We're looking forward to uh, really closing out our winter season of the 2021-2022 campaign as well for you. And then in addition to that, um, we're going to have state tournament coverage coming up for you with previews, podcasts, all sorts of things. So We'll kind of get you inside the game there a little bit. A couple of Geno's and Apples episodes coming out on our YouTube channel as well. Follow us on Twitter at MNHockeyTV. And then, of course, our uh, MN Ho- MinnesotaHockey.tv, MNHockey.tv YouTube channel as well. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're all over the place. And uh, we'll make sure we continue to bring you the product you deserve. Let's check in now. We're going to talk goaltending with Steve Carroll as he and I get a little bit deeper into what this playoff season means and how things work. So uh, for goalies, things aren't easy, and all eyes are on them at all times. So hopefully some of you goaltender parents or fans of the game that 
want to know a little bit more about what goes into the mental psyche of a goaltender, this one should be an interesting segment for you. Steve Carroll from the Carroll Goalie School coming up. Welcome back to the Overtime Hockey Podcast right here at the Overtime Hockey Podcast Networks. We're joined by the Carroll Goalie School's Steve Carroll. Of course, he's the architect of uh, his great school and camps and the things he does. And I love, Steve, your tagline, success between the pipes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really about it, right? So uh, thanks for joining us here today. I know you've got a, a busy uh, schedule, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about the goaltending side of things with you, especially at this time of the year. Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to get into was uh, playoff time. I mean, it's amplified now. We had some really incredible section playoff games, uh, and then now we lead into the state tournament. We had the girls' sections and state tournaments that just rounded out as well. Along with all of this comes expectations, anxiety, um, extra pressure, lose-go-home, those kinds of things. I know games are games, and you focus, and you prepare for games. But if you were to look at this as a goaltending coach, how do you approach at the collegiate level with your athletes, uh, your college goaltenders, all the way down to the youth in terms of preparing for the, quote, big game? Well, I think, first of all, I, I always talk to them about visualizing success. And it means different things to different kids on different levels and different teams and so on and so forth. But I want them to be prepared for the game and mentally prepared for the game is not like just when they get to the arena 10 minutes before the puck drops that they're thinking about, geez, I got to make a cool save or whatever the deal is. It takes, it takes more than that. And I want them to be thinking about um, what it looks like. What, what, what is the arena going to look like? Is it going to be at Braemar? Is it going to be in Grand Rapids? Is it going to be in Duluth? What does it really look like? Um, what's quirky about the arena? Is the neutral zones big, small? Are the benches on one side? Are the, I don't know, are there just fans on one side? But they'd be thinking about that kind of stuff. And then to be focused on who they're playing. And that means, um, you know, what, what color jerseys do they wear? Are they going to be home or away? Who are their star players, if you know any of the star players? And then to relax and embrace the idea and the opportunity to compete and show your skills on a big stage. And so that's kind of how we start with it. And then, you know, when we get to the actual game situation, there's not a lot of coaching that goes on. Um, I talked to him about... Um, maybe some things that they want to work on. I always talk to them about their warmups. If I'm talking to them between their warmups and the game, I, I ask them about their warmups and how do they go for them? Do they feel good? Did they make some good saves? Are they tracking the puck? And then I kind of talk about what are some things that they want to focus on or that are important in that game for them to achieve success. Is it going to be, um, depth control? Is it going to be rebound control? Is it going to be their angles? Is it going to be puck play? And then I, I reassure the goalies that they're talented and to play with confidence and to go out and enjoy the game. And so that kind of gets us started, regardless at whatever level they're playing at. And then we kind of roll from there and see what happens during the game. 
So it's kind of cool. What you're really getting to is at the very beginning, it's about your surroundings, uh, what you know, what your depth is. So take, let's say, the St. Louis Park Rec Center. You know, they have that really one-sided bleacher that goes a mile up, right? And then there's mm-hmm. a straight wall to your right. And I remember as a kid, always going in there, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I had to think about that before I went in, say, because my right side, your depth is a little off. Would you agree with that? Yes, and I think now this, I'm not positive, but I think back in the day, the walls were not painted white like they are today or as bright no, or white. No, they were very gray. Like they were just the cinder block yep. on that on that one side so that wasn't really wasn't really a factor i think today it's it's really bright in that st louis park arena and it's it's different and it takes a little time to adjust for sure so that's an example where you would Mm -hmm. say okay i've really got to think about that i've been in there before i know it's a two o'clock game so that means Mm -hmm. the sun's going to be coming in that glass so the lighting on the rink is going to be a little bit different uh, I mm-hmm. know we're playing against Benilde St. Margaret's, and they're going to be home with white socks. You know, that matters, how the puck comes For off sure. the stick and those ty- who's who's on the puck and all of that. Um, For sure. That's, that's absolutely huge. And, you know, I, I, I think... I think that would be most people would do that, right? But I, I bet you there's a lot that don't, and that's a really, really great advice to get started, to get yourself into the warm-up and then start physically feeling good, and then visualizing the physical. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think too often it's this instant gratification. It's just kind of everything's going on. We're on our cell phone. We've got our headphones going. We're really doing probably a lot of other things that aren't necessarily directly connected to the game. Yeah. And then when we show up at the rink, it's like um, I think some, some people think it's just magically the switch has turned, and now I'm going to focus on, uh, the task at hand. And I, I remember uh, a few years ago when our Gustavus Adolphus team was in the national tournament, we played in a rink out east, and I think it was at Rochester Institute of Technology. But anyway, they had a huge picture window at one end of the rink, and our games were in the afternoon. So oh with a huge picture window, what happens? The, well, you've got the sun a, comes a glare. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a huge glare. And it turned out that the huge glare, like, would show up um, in the neutral zone and about three or four feet over the blue line in the net that we were defending two out of the three periods. And I intentionally did not mention that to our goalies so they wouldn't think about it. Because otherwise you'd get all wound up and well, I couldn't see and the glare of this and the glare of that and I lost it and whatever. I chose not to even make that a discussion item so they wouldn't focus on it. And so little things like that, Pete, you know, like I said, are are so important to kind of set the mental stage for preparing goalies to perform the best they possibly can perform. So when you've, you've played at the St. Paul Civic Center in the state tournament, fever pitch, I mean, it's mm-hmm. loud. You, you can't help but go from a, a calm state to a, an excitable state of 
anxiety to a degree. You know how you kind of get that adrenaline feel, you know? Yep. I don't, I don't want to say shaky, but you know what I mean, where it's just like, okay, you know, it, it's, it's time. And I think the goaltending position is so important to not let that overcome you. And you can tell who are having a hard time with that just by how pucks are bouncing off their chests, things like that. Is there anything you do yeah. in the in terms of you know saying okay we've got an environment here that's going to be a little bit different a little more energy packed? How do you get guys go ga- girls in 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 this position to temper that and tone that down? Well, I mean, I'll I'll just reflect a little bit on when I did play in the state tournament. It was back in the old St. Paul Civic Center days when they had the glass boards and. Okay, so now that changed things you focused on because it was different different than playing against or playing in the rink with whiteboards. And then in our case, uh, being from Edina, a majority of the arena was not cheering for Edina. <laughs> just the corner in the end. Yes, it was be just a little pie-shaped little corner. Yeah, the band. Yeah, a little sliver of, and the band would be there, and the student section, and the parents would be there, and every place else was cheering against you, and and that was what it was, but you couldn't really see a lot of the people because of the, it was dark up in the, yeah, in the higher, uh, sections of that ring. So, um, I think that what I try to do is try to educate them about what they're going to experience, and so in that case, um. It was, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people there. Um, the cheering will only come from one corner. The cheering for you will only come from a little corner of the rink. You won't be able to see all the people there. Um, you're on TV, but it doesn't matter because that doesn't, no matter what you do, you're going to be on TV. So that doesn't really change things. And then it's after that, it's about playing a hockey game and blocking out the distractions and focusing on what your job is. And that's doing the best job you can to stop the puck. And so I try to help goalies with that, um, to visualize, help them visualize what to anticipate. So there's not any shock or surprise or whatever. And sometimes we talk it through, then it kind of lowers the temperature a little bit. And again, so they can kind of focus on the task at hand, which is to stop the other team from scoring. It really helps to know when that's being talked through, but the person on the other side of the conversation has been through it. And these are real words coming their way. I I think that is absolutely valuable. Well, for sure. And, and, and it, you know, there's value in having a goalie coach as part of a team because um, if you don't have someone on the staff that understands what's going on back there, um, some of these things get overlooked and they're important aspects of a hockey game and preparing all the players for competition and not just their typical favorite 15 players. And so I try to share experiences that I had with the kids that are relevant to help them play as well as they can possibly play and not get caught up with the distractions of a student section screaming at you or calling you a sieve or whatever the deal is. Doesn't matter. 
focus on the job at hand. Is there a personality trait? I mean, you see so many goaltenders at so many different ages, uh, male and female. Is there a certain personality trait that you see they carry along, kids that choose to play in the goal? Well, um, outside of the physical skills, which um, involves being athletic, I, I like you know the kids who enjoy the competition, regardless of the level they're playing at are the ones that I think do the best. Yep. And you look at, you look at like, like Maddie Rooney, uh, for example, when she played in the Olympics, um, when they won the gold medal and, and you could just see she was confident. She was having a grand old time. She was smiling. You could see smiles coming, um, through her mask. And you're thinking about how can you be smiling in the Olympic games with a gold medal on the line. Well, when you're confident and you're prepared and you're enjoying the competition, it's fun. And so, so, so I, I, you know, kids who enjoy the competition, um, I often talk about, you know, not getting too high when you make the big ESPN highlight save or get too low when you give up the blooper goal. It's maintaining a, a kind of a calm um, sense of approach that you're just level-headed. You're, you're good all the times and you're great on your off days. Yeah, that's, that is the, the formula there. And that's what, what everybody should work toward. I want to um, turn toward, you know, we'll go more to an NHL deal. We'll use Cam Talbot as an example here. Um, Suddenly, everybody wants him traded, uh, move him on, go to Capo. You know how that all goes. Uh, he was an right. all-star a couple of weeks ago, and it hasn't been going well for him of late. Um, when, when, you, when you see goaltenders struggle to the level like that publicly and people are kind of jumping on that player in the position, how much is that goaltender-induced and team-induced, and how do those intertwine together? Well, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of wild games lately, so I haven't really been able to assess what I think might be going on. But in general, I think what happens is that it becomes kind of the scapegoat for what's happening. That, uh, geez, we're not scoring goals, we're not getting the bounces, uh, our goaltender's lighting up a goal or two that maybe they should have had, and now it's suddenly the goaltender's fault. And then, you know, whatever, whatever from there. And so... Um, you know, I think it gets into an overall play thing. A goalie can't stop all the shots by him or herself. They need teammates to help um, with limiting um, the scoring uh, scoring opportunities um, from where the shots are coming from, clearing the rebounds, and so on and so forth. So the team itself is kind of slumping, obviously, and that I think sometimes the play of the goaltender gets magnified and becomes kind of the, the hot button topic. But during this stretch, no one's talking about whoever that hasn't had a point for however long or is a minus seven during this stretch or, mm-hmm. or some of that other stuff. It becomes like easy to blame the goaltender. And I, I'm not sure if it is, um, all his problem at this point. 
Yeah, you know, when you look at uh, games where the, you give up five, six, seven, virtually back to back to back, it doesn't matter which goaltender you have in either. There's a much larger issue that goes on, and, and sometimes I feel like it's really easy to pile on the quarterback, the pitcher, and the goaltender in, in those three sports. Uh, from a coaching perspective, I don't think that really happens at the youth level. There may be whispers up in the stands, you know how that goes, or the high school level, maybe a little bit. Is there anything that you talk to with goaltenders about, you know, we win as a team, we lose as a team. You absolutely have uh, every say in an outcome we possibly could ask, but it's not all on you. I mean, how do you approach that perspective? Well, one of the things I see for sure at the youth hockey levels are, and way too often are coaches screaming at the goalie during a game. Um, and Bad it's idea. just like, well, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible idea. And it's like, okay, you're playing in your districts or your regions or whatever you're playing in, and your goalie is getting yelled at from the bench about play other angles or control your rebounds or come out of the crease or whatever it is. And that's not setting up that goalie for success, for sure. No, And also... What also happens there too, Pete, is that the other player, the players on the bench, hear that from the coach. And now the goalie becomes the excuse as to why that team loses. And when they get in the car ride home, those, you know, mom or dad will go, geez, that was a tough game. You played really well, but, uh, you know, little Johnny or Jenny just didn't play very well. And the kid will say, yeah, you're right. The coach, uh, the coach, you know, was screaming at him about playing his angles or he didn't control his rebounds or so on and so forth. And now you've got the adult coaches and the 15 players blaming the goalie for what goes on. And it's not a healthy situation, but it happens far too often. I think for sure at the youth levels. And something with the whole topic of this podcast with the, level of meaning to the games that are going with regions the weekend we're recording this podcast for the youth state mm -hmm. tournament for the high school uh, i think it's just such an important topic to get out um and and it, it doesn't just impact goaltenders goaltender coaches and goaltender families parents it's everybody because everybody can contribute to the positive experience they're going to have you're not going to help the situation anymore by expounding on what an issue may be team or goaltender wise in the moment. It's just never going to fix it. Uh, in my opinion, it's almost like in, in hitting, you got a guy in the box who's down Oh two, one, two, and maybe you didn't like how he fought off a pitch for a foul ball and you're down in the third base coach box and you're going to give uh, your hitter a couple more pointers, two, three, four, five. I've seen some guys just, you know, like pull them out and read strike three. <laughs> it is it's just not the time i mean and they should be good no. enough to be able to adjust i mean so a good coach allows the players the ability to self-adjust within a game no matter what the sport is and if you're able to do that that's the whole point of what coaching and player does would you agree with that well 100 percent. and you think about now so you think about the example i i gave about the coach or coaches on the bench yelling at the goalie so now you have that the goalie feeling bad because the coach is mad at him and the players don't trust him 
And then the goalie looks up in the stands and sees mom and dad throwing a fit, um, throwing their Starbucks all, you know, throwing their Starbucks <laughs> in the garbage yep. or whatever the deal is. And now he knows, he or she knows that coach is not happy with what's going on. Mom and dad are embarrassed, disappointed in whatever's going on. And now you expect that young goaltender to just fight through it and be ready to stop the next shot. And it just doesn't set up the kid for success. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle along the way. I agree with you hundred percent. Um, absolutely spot on there. And, uh, uh, before we wrap up this segment, uh, I want to circle back to your 28th annual Carroll Goalie School. Registration is underway. You can get it at carrollgs.com. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L-G-S.com. How are things filling up for you so far? You know, they're doing really well. Um, this is our 28th year, as you said, and it's always exciting to, um, you know, develop the schedule, find the locations, and then begin the, the process of um, registering and promoting your camp to the kids. And, and it's, it's amazing. We'll get kids that come year after year um, because they know what, they, what the experience is like and how we can help them. And um, it's exciting to see that, you know, here we are in, you know, early part of March and some of our sessions are just about full, which is really cool. And that um, we, we look forward to working with, you know, the common question I get right now, Pete, is what session should my son or daughter sign up for? They're a third year squirt and they're just learning to play or whatever the deal is. And I, I always tell them that I'm more interested in their overall interest level in getting better than I am with their skill level that they show up on the first day of camp with. Because we'll make them better. It's excellent. We'll make them better. We want the kids who want to be there, though. The kids who want to be there, they'll get better by the end of the day. We know that. Uh, that that's fantastic. And you don't do it for 28 years if that's not the case. Um, your wisdom at the position, uh, both technically and mentally, is really appreciated. And uh, I enjoy covering these topics with you because um, I think it's one of you know, I think I mentioned in our last podcast, Warren Stralo told me once, it's the most negative position in sport in that you're perpetually reacting to something. You're not really forcing anything. You're reacting. And uh, from a negative perspective, you know, m- mentally that way. And I thought, boy, that was really interesting. And it takes a different sort to really want to do that and, and to put the gear on and to work to strive to be the best they can. And then it's finding people such as yourself and your staff of coaches who've been with you for years that give mm-hmm. them the ability in the in the chance for success. Yeah, I mean, I think there. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if we were not delivering, we would not be around. Twenty eight years into it, and I, I believe in the in the approach that we take with the kids, both on and off the ice and the, the coaches who help us, um, many of whom played for me at some point during their careers, have come back to help out. And I think what we try to do, like our tagline, is we try to set them up to achieve success between the pipes. And that for each kid, that means something different. It may, it may be 
play on the AA team or maybe on the high school team or maybe on the college team. Or for others, it might be to make a B2 team or to make a B1 team. Or for others, it might be, geez, I just want to have something to do uh, during the winter time. And I'm fine with being on a rec team or whatever other team I play on. So um, we try to help the kids that, that come to our camp achieve success, uh, regardless of what that looks like for each individual. And we enjoy teaching and we enjoy seeing the smiles on the faces of the kids that come to our camp and can almost, almost like the light bulb goes off when we start or goes on when you, when you start seeing the development and how they feel good about their game and, and there's a little more confidence there and they feel good that they've learned some things and that they're a better goalie than they were when they showed up at the start of the camp. As you heard from Steve Carroll, the uh, some of the levels and uh, availabilities are filling up pretty briskly here. So let's uh, get these things sold out as quick as we can act now. That's carolgs.com. Steve, thanks for joining us. This has been a star-studded action-packed show today. So uh, lots of fun on this one, and uh, we appreciate your time as always. We'll be checking up with you in about another 30 days as well. That sounds good, Pete. Awesome, thanks buddy. Take care. Thank you. That was Steve Carroll from the Carroll Goalie School. And once again, this has been the Overtime Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Pete Wagner. So long, everybody.